Welcome to issue 120 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at the most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Americano, and joining me tonight is Mike. Hey, welcome back. Thanks. Uh, Steve. Hey, good to hear your voice again. And Daniel. Speaking of that voice again, you sound startlingly familiar to me. Um, weren't you here before? I've I've been on the show before, but it's been a long time. We're at, today's uh, issue was 120, and the last time I was on was when we were talking about um, Hawkeye's Nemesis set, Crossfire. Oh. Um, that was issue 42, a long time ago. So, so oh, you're yeah. you're kind of a resident expert then, because aren't we? Sort of talking about that again tonight? Yeah, we definitely are. <laughs> mm. Well, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Americano, where do the people know you from? Because I hear that you like somehow are vaguely involved in the Marvel community. Do you have anything to plug here? <laughs> yeah. So I'm one of the hosts of the Marvel Champions Monthly podcast. And we are a semi-monthly um, podcast about Marvel Champions. You can... Find us on Discord, our YouTube channel, our website. If you just search for Marvel Champions Monthly, you'll find us. And I think our our website is actually mcm-podcast.com, I, I, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. I should probably know that before I'm telling you, but it's fine. And uh, yeah, we, we talk about... We, we don't focus on the villains very much. Uh, we let you guys do that. We like to focus on the heroes and the aspect cards, and I just get railed for liking protection. So there you go. Oh, high five, buddy! That's my claim. That's my claim to fame. There is, uh, I'm the defender of green cards. Yeah. What do you say? Uh, eat your veggies. Exactly. Eat yep. your veggies. Yep. It's a it's a good time to be green. It's yes, really it is. To be green. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We're glad to have you back. And we had you back because, like we said, we're going to do Crossfire again, but we're going to do the Crossfire Crew modular set that comes in the hood. And since folks could go back and listen to 42 if they want, but they probably just want to hear about Crossfire again. So why don't you give us the, you know, his story? Yeah, so I'll I'll jump into the latter. Like, I'll kind of overlap a little bit with his history, but basically Crossfire is... William Cross, he is related to Darren Cross. Yellow Jacket. Yellow Jacket, yep. We talked about that. Basically, the way he comes into this crew that we're calling Crossfire's crew, that's what the the developers call it, he's on the raft, and he's the beneficiary, along with the controller, corruptor, mandrill, Mr. Fear, all these these villains of um, an escape coordinated by Electro. Mm. So they escape the raft, and so somehow... I don't know if they were a part of it. I never read that issue. They benefited from Electro's escape plan. And so Crossfire and these other guys team up. They basically realize that they're better off together than by themselves. And so they team up and they they form this crew. And actually, um, there's like a gang war that ensues in New York. They fight the UFOs. I think that's how you say it. The UFOs? U-foes. F-O-E. Yep. Yep. Like, 
you can't, I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Um, <laughs> Somebody somewhere did, but yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so they're, they're like, there's this gang war going on in, in New York. And of course, everything bad happens in New York. I don't know why anyone would want to be in New York in the Marvel comics, or I guess in real life, maybe if superheroes were real, because that's like where aliens come, you know, here they're just fighting. And of course the Avengers stop that. Those stinking Avengers. Oh, geez. But then later, this crew, Crossfire's crew, joins up with the Hood. Um, and this was in 2007 in the New Avengers number 35. It's like a backstory of how they join up with the Hood. And it's it focuses on the Civil War, that whole run caused by the Superhuman Registration Act. It's actually pretty fun. Uh, I actually really like the Civil War um, comics. It's in, it's enjoyable to read. I don't think it's a good thing. Civil Wars. Then later on, they go to battle. And they battle the the new Avengers. So there's like all this chaos going on with the Civil War, and they battle the new Avengers after that. And they, the writers, of course, make Crossfire fight Hawkeye. But Hawkeye isn't Hawkeye anymore at this point. He's Ronan. So he just cannot get away from this Hawkeye guy. Oh, this Clint Barton yeah. is just hit the bane of Hawk of Crossfire's existence. Like it's like a bad penny, right? It, it's just yeah, you just cannot get away from this guy. Then Crossfire's crew, and this is my understanding, is they're all working for the Hood. Um, they're just a bunch of mercenaries, and they work. They they actually work with the Hood and with the Avengers and these other good good guys to stop a scroll invasion. And that was um, you can read that in the Secret Invasion numbers like six through eight, and the New Avengers number forty six. So they actually like. We're good guys, I guess they, you can say. They saved you know? the planet from an alien invasion. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they yeah. did. Yeah. Um, so they stopped their scheming just because if the aliens took over, they wouldn't be able to continue with their ways. So they realized that that'd be a good thing for them to, to do. Were they rewarded? Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, Probably they were not. rewarded because yeah. the planet wasn't taken over. Um, I bet and it they didn't even make the papers. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. nobody knows that Cr- Crossfire did this. But then the Cr- Crossfire was working with the Hood again, and they used the zombie virus. They were using the zombie virus. They unleashed it or, or were using it to like gain influence and power. But Crossfire was like, dude, uh, I don't like what you're doing because the Hood wanted to conquer the world. And Crossfire is not about that life. Crossfire is like... He he's happy with the bubble he has. I know he didn't want like the whole premise of him working for the hood was like, I'll work with you for you, but I don't want to try and conquer the world. And the hood, his eyes got too big for him and he wanted to conquer the world. And so Crossfire's like, yeah, not going to happen. And the hood didn't care, obviously, but um, Crossfire's crew, they rebelled against the hood and they tried to make a deal with Norman Osborn. So they went from daddy to mommy I don't know like why they can't just be their own people, but they they have to have someone fund them, I guess. And uh so that's where you know where they left off, I guess. I don't know if there's any storylines after that, but and so thematically that's why it makes sense that Crossfire's crew is in the hood pack. Um because there's a lot of there's a lot going on there with their, that relationship. It looks like there's a few villains, villainous groups that are in this pack that are also from that same era of comics. It's interesting to see that they they pull from that same period. Yeah, the aughts, the like oh six, oh seven, oh eight. That. Yeah. So, do we want to look at the card, Crossfire card? Yeah, I think we need to uh, take a look at this version of Crossfire because we have well, we have one version of the card, but we need a 
see this one. So go ahead. Uh, yeah. Tell us all okay. about the the cards. Okay. So this is a uh, crossfire is a, a two scheme two attack minion. Um, and he's four his four hit points. He has crossfires crew and masters of evil as traits. And he's got the quick strike. He's got quick strike on him. And he also has a forced interrupt when crossfire attacks. He attacks the friendly character with the fewest remaining hit points. That attack gains overkill and ranged, and he's got three boost icons. This guy got an upgrade. Yeah. He got an upgrade yeah, from the did. previous one, for sure. I love this force interrupt. I just, it's so mean. Like, <laughs> yes. kicking on the little guys, kick them while they're down, you know, and it gives you overkill and range, so he doesn't, you know, it just, yeah. he's sniping off the the wounded ones. That's great. So, okay, so rules question. Yeah, let's talk about rules. The only way to protect against this, you can declare a defender, right? I think that you're probably most likely he's going to be sniping allies if you have allies out. Yeah. Because they, cause they have probably generally will have fewer hit points than the heroes, right? Correct, yeah. Um, and I don't think you can block for an ally. Oh. Can you declare an attack for an ally? Because they're... Because normally when like the villain or a minion attack, they attack the player. But this specifically says he attacks the friendly character with the fewest remaining hit points. And that could be anyone on the table, right? Hero or ally, yeah. Right, but I mean like if while four of us are playing and this guy's engaged with me, he might actually shoot one of your guys. Yeah, I. it doesn't say in, in your play area or anything. It sounds to me like, I mean, can you even defend this? Yeah, you do have... I don't know. You do have precedence for this with the Hulk Nemesis card, Clash of the Titans. Yes. That card, the enemy with the highest attack attacks the hero or ally with the highest attack, and the first player decides ties, right? So, and I believe they ruled that you could still defend for the target. Like, the enemy declares an attack against somebody, and then people can defend it. So, I think okay. I think you'd be able to defend for that character. That's in line with how they've done it in their other LCGs. Right. Okay. Um, well, then what's, what's really the point of this, then, if you can just sort of defend with whoever you want? It, it, I mean, it changes the target. So normally they're gonna, he's going to attack you if he's in front of you, but if somebody else has allies out, he's going to probably hit an ally. Yeah, but uh, you can still defend it with your guy anyway. It, the difference is where the undefended damage goes. Yeah, if, you, if nobody can block, then... That's who it's going after. Yeah, the undefended. You're right, Mike. Okay, okay. I mean, that's really it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually, I'm glad that's the rule, only because there's so many cards out there that say the villain attacks you. Doesn't say the player. It says you. You. Yeah. Let's. Okay. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's it's a little unfortunate that it's someone can do that jump in front of his bullet, but I get it. Yeah. I mean, you're probably not going to let him attack. Because he's got four health. Um, I mean, he's going to attack with quick with quick strike if he comes out when you're in hero form. So that's yeah. um, that's kind of a weird interaction too. If you're in alter ego, he's not going to attack, right? Well, no, not if you're in alter ego. Quick strike, quick strike will only attack you if you're in hero form. But then he kind of oh. like doesn't attack you anyway if you're in hero form because right. he goes somewhere somewhere else. So it's like you're in alter ego protecting like the the weak the weak links in your group, you know? Well, okay, so if he's engaged with me and I'm an alter ego, he's going to scheme. He's going to scheme. But if yeah. it's a multiplayer game and I just flipped 
to alter ego because I only have two hit points left and Daniel has 10 and there are no allies on the table and he's engaged with Daniel, he's going to then attack me even though I'm in alter ego. Right. That's right. Yeah. So then somebody has to step in the way. And, and, you know, I think I, I'm okay with that because he, it kind of makes sense to me. He's, there's another card in this set that um, focuses on like the weak links, right? The fewest remaining hit points. Yeah. Um, but also he's got a sniper rifle. So go like targeting anybody. He can target anyone around the table. I think that's, I, I like that. I like that ability. It, yeah. it works for me thematically, even if you're an alter ego, right? That's yeah. good. I like it too. So there you go. There's crossfire. He got it. He, oh, so here's my question. Um, let's say you're playing as Hawkeye with this modular set and crossfire from um, the Hawkeye's nemesis is out. What happens when you draw this card? Does uh, I it, think- Technically speaking, it rips. No, I think the rule is if you have one unique, you discard this card and draw another. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's the, the rule. So if one crossfires out and another tries to come out, you discard the one you just drew, you leave the one in play, and you draw a new card. I think we ta- we've talked about this before. Um, yeah, It's a little different than like the unique for deck building rules, right? Because you're not really deck building with, with Hawkeye's Nemesis. It just happens to come in with Shadow of the Past. Right, right, yeah, because the heroes aren't allowed to have two cards with the same name in them that are unique. Right, but I mean, the players could have. I could have a mockingbird. You mm-hmm. could have a mockingbird, but I can't play yours. Right, it's already okay, in yeah. play. So, yeah. but yeah, there's that's Crossfire, the leader of this Crossfire's crew. He's awesome. That's pretty cool. I like him. Yeah, he's, and... he's probably my favorite minion in the set. But yeah, he's really good. Here's the official rule out of the RG. If a unique minion is revealed from the encounter deck and attempts to enter play while another unique character with the same title is already in play, the player who is revealing that minion discards it, then reveals a new card from the encounter deck. Okay. It doesn't whiff, it sort of surges. And I guess it makes sense because Nebula's card is specifically worded otherwise. Right. That specifically, like, removes the ally to put the nemesis out, that kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. Well, who's next? All right. Controller. I'm gonna let me tell you guys about Controller. Uh, he first appears in Iron Man number twelve way back in 1969. So Oof. this guy is not a new one. As a child, Basil Sandhurst was plagued with sickness and often was bedridden for months at a time. Mm. As a result, he wanted to be a scientist to cure such maladies like those that had stripped him of his control of his own body. However, his cutting edge practices and theories, all about harnessing the power of the human mind only ended up preventing him from working with those inside-the-box thinkers at those, like, legitimate research centers. (laughs) (laughs) His brother Vincent got him a job at Cord Industries, hoping that the two would eventually, uh, let's say, creatively take ownership of this company. Perhaps possibly. Okay. So, unfortunately, Basil, he gets in a fight with his brother Vincent, and Vincent shoves him, and he shoves him, of course, into a vat of experimental chemicals. Because that's what happened. To Why all do the... they keep leaving that around? Classic, like classic what? in 1969, right? Okay. <laughs> Who needs to put lids on those containers? Right. <laughs> uh, so falling into this vat leaves him scarred and crippled once more. He's bedridden and weak. Vincent feels guilty, so he sets Basil up with a uh, some gear and a whole bunch of money that he embezzled, uh, bar- borrowed from Cord Industries. And Basil, he uses it to fashion an exoskeleton suit that gives him the freedom and the control over his own destiny that he so desires. 
In fact, he becomes so determined to about this control that he hadn't had, he decides he's going to control the whole world. Oh, here's my question. In yeah. the in the picture in the card art, is this him with an exosuit, or is he just he just looks jacked? Like if he's bedridden as a kid, he uh, obviously, I'm, you I'm, know, something changed the, for the better for him because he is ripped. I'm pretty sure this is partially supposed to be a suit. Okay. So, and I guess the suit—it's like a early Batman movie suit where they, you know, they mold the muscles and the nipples on it and stuff for him. Okay, um, gotcha. It's everything he's wearing a suit and everything. Molded nipples. I'm pretty sure there's some jacked in the in the uh, chemicals too. <laughs> yeah. Too bad there's okay. not a banana on it. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up also make, using this money and this tech to make something he calls the mental wave absorbatron. Ooh. Does it absorb mental rays? Yeah. It does. It does. Thank you, Mike. This is how you can tell this guy was born in the 60s. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That, that sounds definitely like a 60s villain contraption. Yeah. Yep. The Absorbatron. Well, and guess what? He uses it to tap into mental energy of his victims, and he beams that mental energy from oh. the Absorbatron into his suit. Okay. And he also develops what he calls slave discs, which in the art he's juggling, uh, that, that he attaches to like the back of the neck of people and he can now remotely pull the power from those people into the absorbitron and then broadcast it to himself so here's where he becomes the controller Mm because he's now able to like control these people with these slave discs and he's able to suck their mental energy into a suit he gets into a big fight with iron man uh because of iron man's inferior genius and he nearly wins daniel he nearly wins let me guess stark cheats somehow he cheats. That's right. He cheats. He basically he basically puts controller on a train so that he drives too far away from the absorbatron and controller is out of range of the machine and his suit he powers down. Oh, so that's part of the problem. He ends up becoming a big Iron Man nemesis. The two of them fight a long time, um, and Stark always cheats and gets the upper hand somehow. But controller decides he's going to team up with Thanos. Mm. At one point, who upgrades all of Controller's tech so he need, no longer needs absor- the Absorbitron, adjusts the slave discs. His range becomes almost unlimited. So he doesn't have to worry about being close to this machine. He uses Thanos' upgraded tech, tech to defeat all of the Avengers at one point. Sneaks oh. into the mansion and defeats them all. He eventually is foiled by a cosmically souped-up Captain Marvel, the the Rick Jones version, uh, where... Marvel gains like cosmic powers beyond control, belief, and all that sort of stuff. So, not really controller's fault that he loses to him. But during the course of his career, controller ends up sending up these clinics and medical retreats and stress relieving hospitals. And he always has like the the most wealthy people come there to like relax and have spa days. And he slaps a slave disc on them and takes control of them. He's kind of like a new age guru while he's running these facilities. And uh, he relieves their suffering and he, you know, removes their earthly concerns. Uh, that pressure of having all that wealth and power goes away from them and goes to good old Basil. So, wow. So not only is this stress relief, but he's actually Robin Hood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's one of those uh, <laughs> wealth redistribution plans. Um, but he ends up getting caught. He ends up being defeated eventually. And at one point he ends up in the raft, like we heard about, and he takes part of that breakout the electro engineers he joins up with crossfire and a bunch of these other guys the, they're all mind manipulators like we'll learn 
Mangel, Mr. Fear, Corruptor. And then after that, you know, he's part of the crew from there on out. Well, let's talk about his card. That's a great story, Steve. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how old he is and how long he's been around. And, you know, he's, he's faced off a lot of, against a lot of guys. And if we're at one point, can we make a list of top 10 most ridiculous flavor text? Yeah, yeah we'll have to. Because <laughs> this guy's on it. Oh, okay. Oh, let me tell you about his card then. <laughs> the controller's a unique minion, two scheme, one attack with a star. He has five health. He's a brute and crossfire's crew. Uh, so his attack has a force interrupt when controller's attack would deal any amount of damage to a character, increase that amount by that character's attack. Hmm. It has two boost icons with the flavor text, no one avoids wearing my diabolical discs. <laughs> God. I think the uh. I think the flavor of this card, like the ability, seems spot on because he uses that mental power that he drains from other people to make himself stronger. So the stronger the person, the more people he has, the more powerful he is. So it's kind of neat. Like he's, he's siphoning the person's power to yeah. do it back to them. Yeah. I'm glad they put a one attack on him because otherwise someone would find a way to cheese it with a zero attack minion. Mm. Oh. <laughs> um, I, I got a philosophical question for you guys. Nothing about your story necessarily, Steve just says brute to me. Okay, so I think they gave him the brute trait here because what I didn't talk about, and we'll talk about it when we get to the side scheme, is the more people that are enslaved by his Absorbitron or his discs, uh -huh. the stronger and the bigger and the stronger and the more powerful he be Like, I eventually, see. if we look at the... We can do it now. If we look at the art on the side scheme, Out for Blood, you can see this gigantic monster with a guy in his hand and this, like... Uh, I think it's Luke Cage, actually, or somebody down there attacking him. This giant thing is the controller. Oh, I he see. Can, okay. He can suck up so much power through these discs. He can. He grows. He becomes more powerful and, you know, bigger, stronger, brutish. So remember, he fell into chemicals. He's yeah, that's up. cool. Okay, all right. I would like it. It'd be cool if they could make a version of him later in the game where he becomes bigger. Right. Yeah. Like he cool. does his thing and gets more hit points throughout. Like an Ant Man folding card. Yeah, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. All right. At for for one point at one point I thought maybe brute was sort of a state of mind, you know, like an agenda thing as well as size, but no, he gets brutish. Okay. Yeah, uh, he should probably have a genius too, but you know, we talked about that before. So. Yeah. There's not enough evil geniuses in this game about defeating evil geniuses. But there is a, another criminal, Mike. You want to tell us about the next one? Yes, I would like to tell you about the Corruptor. First appearance is in Nova number four back in 1976. This is the old Rich Rider days. The Corruptor, aka Jackson Day, was once a working stiff in a pharmaceutical production company. One fateful day, Jackson was caught in a fire in the factory, where he was exposed to a variety of psychogenic chemicals, granting him the powers of dizziness, fatigue, Nausea, itchiness, blurred vision, constipation. Oh, and his sweat glands release a chemical that overrides the inhibition center in people's brains. Oh, in other words, that's bad, if right? Touches you, you fall under his control. Oh, now this is different from Purple Man. That's uh, that's Kilgrave for the fans of the Netflix series. When Purple Man controls people, they 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 stop being able to discern his instructions versus their own willpower. So in the end, his victims lose track of where his will ends and theirs begins. And so they'll do things and 
they know they want to do it and they don't know if it's them or not. This is different. When the corruptor controls you, you're fully aware of it. Your body responds and you just can't stop it. And that's just just a little more evil. Mm. A little more evil. His first victim is Thor, the god Thor, who (laughs) rescues Jackson from the fire. At his touch, Thor goes on a rampage. Now, this is a little 70s ridiculous. Do you remember way, way back when I did (laughs) Absorbing Man, uh, Loki was... You know, casting a spell through his what is his multi-dimensional sphere thingy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Absorbing Man is literally like eating his his dinner in prison, and he gets zapped by this rain. He immediately knows he's Absorbing Man. He immediately understands his powers. And this is exactly the same thing. Where like immediately, Jackson gets up and he's oh, I I am the corrupter. I am you know the seed of all evil, and I will spread it everywhere. The dude, he just got off the floor. He just got off the floor and he's already proclaimed who he is and what he's doing and what he can do and what his, all, his, all his powers are. And yep, sure enough, he, he corrupts Thor and Thor has a run in with, with Nova and it's, you know, a lot of heroes punching each other and a lot of uh, villains eating popcorn. It's fantastic. The Corruptor is really, really villainous because he did this to the person that saved him from the fire. Yeah, well, okay, in Thor's view, he saved him. In oh, okay. the Corruptor's view, I don't need saving. So you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> tomato, you were, tomato. You offended me by trying to help me, so I'm going to make you take out Nova. That, yeah, that's pretty villainous. Yeah, and then there's like a five minute period where he he gets out of his clothes and changes costume. He realizes <laughs> that the rags don't work, and he comes up with a supervillain costume astonishingly quickly. So but there's just like a store down the street sometimes for some of these something guys. Like that yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it was a discount store. Looking at his early costume. Boy. Well, my favorite scheme of his is uh, he returns to his hometown of Smyrna, Delaware, and he tries to take it over by planting flowers grown from water contaminated with his own sweat. Thus, the town will fall under his influence and vote for him. Isn't that awesome? That, that's pretty good. I vote for is that, that how real politics work? <laughs> you know what? It's always in the water. I knew that fluoride was no good for me. (laughs) See, the corruptor, he's realistic though. He's like, let me start small with my hometown. I don't need the world yet. I just need my my hometown. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. It starts in the neighborhood council, doesn't it? Exactly. (laughs) HOAs, your community association. (laughs) That's right. Uh, The connection to the Hoods crew, we already know. Interestingly, during that storyline, uh, he takes control of Bucky Barnes and uses him to shoot Steve Rogers. Steve begs and pleads, no, no, Bucky, your willpower, you can, you can resist him. He can't. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Corruptor. He's cool. Tell us yeah. about his card, Mike. All right. Corruptor is a minion. One scheme, two attack, four hit points. He is a criminal and Crossfire's crew traded. When revealed, exhaust each ally you control. Place Ooh. one threat on the main scheme for each ally exhausted this way. He has one boost icon plus the boost effect. Choose and exhaust a character you control. Oh, he's wow. fun. He's fun. The reason why I really like his when revealed effect is because it's targeted more at leadership players than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I oh, know, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this guy just hurts me. I'm really comfortable with that. Yeah. I, at first, I didn't. I was like, yeah, you know, he's he's known for controlling. 
okay, exhausting an ally. That kind of, I guess, thematic. But I don't care because he just he really targets leadership. So there you go. That boost effect sucks for everyone else, but the one revealed is worse for leadership. Yeah, well, some of those decks where they're like they go really wide, where they have like four or five allies out. This guy comes out, they all get yeah. exhausted, and you put four or five threat on the main scheme. Like mm-hmm. that's not an ins- insignificant amount. If you have only one ally or no allies, eh, it doesn't really do much. Yeah, it's because the first one is ally and the boost is character, and that really hurts the people that need their basic powers. So you know your Valkyrie, your She Hulk, your Hulk. Um, oh even, yeah. Uh, ghost spider to some extent yeah the thing i hate the most playing uh or i guess the thing i really love is when a hero <laughs> decides to not block i'll just take it to the face and then the boost exhausts them anyways yes <laughs> i love that that is great <laughs> like you should have blocked <laughs> so the criminal trait i noticed that controller and crosshair don't have that so to get the criminal trait do you have to spend time in jail I, like if we were to look at all the criminals in this game, how do they get that trait? Apparently, you're only allowed two degrees. Once you get more than that, they just start bumping the last one off. Because yeah, uh, he was trying to go into politics. So there we go. <laughs> yes. Okay. The early crossfire was a mercenary trait, and he's no longer mercenary anymore either. Okay. Yeah, I bet it's it's based on the card. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> What's the most relevant? Okay, there we go. It's interesting that they put brute on controller though. Yeah, I think it is because he gets he just gets super strong. Um, Americana, you're new here to the to the secret lair, but I want you to try to channel like a villain mindset. All right, I know you're not used to this. Okay, I'll do my best. So, all right, good, good. So, I want you to to start by pretending that you run a failing wax museum. Okay. Okay. I'm you got imagining that? it. I'm imagining it. Yeah. Okay. Da- wait, wait, Daniel, now, can I ask a question? Daniel? Yeah, of course, of course. Are there wax museums that aren't failing? Well, that's a great question, Steve. I think, Americano, with that in mind, you also have to remember that you are, you own this failing wax museum in 1964. Okay. Okay? Right. So maybe then, Steve, they weren't failing. I, I hear, I gotcha. Yeah. Except, okay. except for the one that Americano owns. Okay. Okay, so it's failing. You're a, you're, a, you know, an amateur chemist okay like good villains are what's what's the first thing that occurs to you that you should do okay so i'm channeling my inner villain right inner villain you have failing wax museum and you're a chemist what put all that (laughs) puzzle together and what do you got americano oh man this is a lot of pressure um i would try and do something to uh make money like actually print money oh that's interesting it's interesting. Maybe you need a little more time in villain development school, Americano, because oh. the right answer is <laughs> you do whatever you can to bring your wax statues to life and make an army of them. Oh, I didn't think of that. That's what right? chemistry See, does. Like if, if you've been around <laughs> us for a while, I think that would have come like almost naturally to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you try that, but it doesn't quite work out so well. Um, but you do like the idea that your your wax statues it freaks people out, right? And so when when you see the 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 horror evoked by your creation, um, you come up with your name. What better name if you cause people great fear than to be Mister Fear? So great. for one year, Americana, you are one of the greatest villains of all time with your almost sort of wax statues to life army. 
However, an assassin named Star Saxon kills you and takes the guise of Mr. Fear, becoming Mr. Fear 2.0, only to torment his personal nemesis, Daredevil. Oh, that's a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we need to have Americano back, like, in another 80 issues, Steve. Okay. Just to see if he's, you know, passing tests along the way. As a villain. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not Um, bad with printing his own money. That's No, no. Printing your own money, I think, is a... Yeah, that's pretty villainous. Yeah, that's like it's like yeah. sophomore villain. We'll get him to senior. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mister Fear Two appears in 1969. This is Star Saxon, the uh, the assassin that took out the original Mister Fear. So he lures Daredevil into this humiliating public defeat and goes on various crime street sprees until uh, Daredevil returns and throws him off a platform to his death. Oh. Now, that seems very sudden, doesn't it? It does. Fortunately for us, we have Lawrence Cranston, a.k.a. Mr. Fear the Third, Mr. Fear Jr. Jr.? Yes. So this guy already hates Matt Murdock, okay, for beating him in a college mock trial. Now, <laughs> Steve, Steve, first off, I don't want to... Someone I don't wrote the, that. I, I don't want <laughs> the listeners to think that I did the research for this for i i thank you steve i'm merely the reader here and, uh, and an interpreter of your research but is this true yeah. yes <laughs> okay absolutely um all right so like many lawyers mr cranston takes seems to take uh, advantage of his position and he gains access to saxon's estate that is the assassin star saxon and he gains all of mr fear's equipment that way and so, as Mr. Fear the Third, he plagues Daredevil uh, again, and he joins up with, like, with Kingpin, and he becomes part of the Thunderbolts. But aren't the Thunderbolts good guys, sort of? Nah, kinda, uh, depends sorta. on who's in- controlling them. Oh, okay. I thought they were, like, redeemed bad guys. Or Depends on the year, I think. Yeah, okay, they're okay. bad guys masquerading as good guys. So. Okay, well, at one point... This is an interesting part of your research, Steve, that seems a little vague to me. Yep. You end Mr. Fear the Third with, at one point he appears to leap to his death. <laughs> yeah. He, so, Mr. Fear has this tendency to fall off great heights. He does. Is this true? Okay. Yep. So, he appears to, but maybe he doesn't because he actually becomes Mr. Fear 4 by uh, Larry Cranston's nephew... Alan Fagan inherits the Mr. Fear gear. And I'm hoping we're talking about the Mr. Fear gear at some point. Um, he uses it to blackmail various people and is stymied by Spider-Man. So it turns out that he no longer is all about Daredevil. Is that true? He doesn't want to fall, he doesn't want to, fall right. to his death. Yeah, so. he's like, right. Daredevil keeps pushing people off. So <laughs> let's fight Spider-Man. Spider-Man will save me if I fall. Yeah. I, I, I think what happened to Mr. Fear 3 is he's tired of the life. So he oh. pretends to kill himself. And I think that's what happens. So, and he goes on to be like, I don't know, a politician or a lawyer or something. Yeah. I see. Okay. Okay. I understood. So he's, I'm a little confused by Mr. Fear the fourth. He's like, he's fighting Spider-Man. He's Simon Bite, but he's, he's brutally attacked and the skin on his face is carved off. Do you mean Mr. For, Fear four's face is carved off? Yeah. Okay. So Mr. Fear four. Is I need more to- here, Steve. All right, Mr. Four of Fear oh. is sent to the joint by Spider-Man. Oh, this is why he's criminal traded. This is why he's criminal traded. Yes. Okay. All right. And while Mr. Fear is in jail, he's brutally his... attacked. Okay. His, and his face is Continue. Crying. Okay. 
All right. So the men are acting on the orders of Ariel Tremor, his daughter, who uses the chemicals of skin to make her own fear agent and becomes the villainous shock mistress of fear. What what is happening, Steve? Yeah, it's a pretty brutal piece of when you when you read it, like these guys jump him in jail, carve all the skin off of his face. And his daughter ordered this hit. Right. In order to okay. appara- apparently all his chemistry is like the suit and the gear and the the equipment he has, uh, oh. all the chemicals have seeped into his skin and they can use the chemicals in his skin to make their own fear equipment. Okay. It, I don't know why it has to be his face, but it is. So. Wow. That's um, haunting. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty brutal in the eighties, I guess. It's pretty okay. nasty that, well, it just seems kind of weird that her, she took up the title mistress of fear and her dad is Mr. Fear. Yeah, oh. just seems that seems weird to me. She could have done yeah, better. I, I don't think right. she understood the relationship of those titles. Right. <laughs> um. Okay. So. <laughs> wow. All right. Oh, fortunately, Mister Fear the Fourth recovers with the help from Latveria, which oh yeah is a name that I, I guess Mike knows. Well, that that's Doctor Doom's area, of course. He he can fix anybody. That's right, nerd. All right. Genius. So, <laughs> um, wow, I like Mr. Fear. We should probably talk about his card. I have to jump off. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's been a lot of fun um, talking about all these villainous schemes and these villains. Um, I had a good time. Yeah, and uh, we'll have you back when we get the third iteration of Crossfire. Sounds good. Great. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Come back when you learn more. I will. I am. I am studying up. All right, guys. I appreciate it. I do have to go. Thank you, man. Thanks for joining. Headed out the door. I was going to say, why don't you tell us about Mr. Fear? I will tell you about Mr. Fear. He is a unique minion. One scheme, one attack, five health. Criminal and Crossfire's crew traded as an additional cost for the engaged player to ready a hero or ally they control that player must spend a brain resource. Wow. He's got a boost icon and a special boost that is discard cards from the top of your deck until you discard an ally. <laughs> wow. Oh, that can deck some people out. Yeah. Mainly me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that protection for bringing no friends. Um, uh, great ability. Yeah. Too bad yeah. it doesn't matter. Now. Steve, I take issue with Mike saying it doesn't matter. I get why he says it doesn't matter, because these minions have a tendency to not stick around very long, right? Right. Uh, Yeah, if you kill him off, then you don't have to worry about spending the resources. Right. But what if if you have defended, and then this guy shows up in, you know, like during the encounter step, right? When he's going to show up. You're a protection guy like Mike who has no friends. No one's killing him for you, maybe if you're playing solo or whatever. This guy's gonna sit in front of you, right? Yeah. And like well, you're already you're already you're already, you know, exhausted. Yeah. That that could do it. So uh, I mean yeah, there it, it does stop you from trying to ready up like if you've you plan to oh I have this card, I'm gonna ready up right. next turn. Yeah, we'll slow so, it down. So I, I think this guy's really bad to the, the no friend protection decks that Mike runs. Why? Because Mike the villain has attacked you. You've defended. Yeah. And then in the encounter step, you draw Mr. Fear. Okay. You have no allies. You have no way of readying yourself. Maybe you don't even have the right card in your hand to ready up. 
Oh, I see. So I have to... And since you're a friendless defender, you don't even hit anybody. <laughs> please. Right? Please. So so what are you going to do? Like, Yeah, you're going to have to spend it. Maybe in a four-player game, I agree with you, Mike, when, you, when you're like, nice effect, too bad, it doesn't matter. You're probably right in a four-player game. Like People are going to recognize the danger this guy represents and deal with him for you. Right. Can you imagine if he had the win revealed, exhaust all your characters first, or right. all your allies? That would, yeah. What if you were playing and you ended up with two encounter cards because you got decked or something? And or because you're Star-Lord? Yeah, Corruptor's the first one. <laughs> uh, and Mr. Fear's the next one. Yeah. Yeah. That would be such a great Star-Lord moment. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean... I think thematically it's a good hit because his abilities, that chemistry that he tries to do on the Wax Museum, you can see he has like this gun. He shoots these pellets of chemical stuff and when they hit they create this crazy fear and people just cower and they they don't have the willpower to to keep going so it kind of like thematically i feel like it at least makes sense oh yeah bang on bang on design yeah so in a four-player game let's say mike you're the first player after drawing this right the first player tokens pass to you i guess you gotta ask all your buddies to come and beat this guy up for you uh probably yeah right like and maybe they got their own business to attend to. Ah, this guy could be meddlesome. I got a pop quiz for you on Mr. Fear. Ooh. Yeah? Mr. Fear number one had a failing wax museum. Okay. Which enemy that we have talked about on the show had a wax figurine in Mr. Fear's wax museum? No, it's unfair, I know, because I read this. To uh, so I'll let Mike guess this one. Holy crap, could be anybody. I can narrow it down for you. Okay, narrow it down a little bit. Since issue 100. Oh my goodness. When was issue 100? <laughs> okay, I'll narrow it down some more. Uh, an enemy that comes in the hood pack oh, that really? we have talked about. Mm. Mm. Sort well, of. Well, since it wasn't pack. in your show notes, I'm going to actually guess two. Okay. I'm going to guess Mr. Hyde. That is not correct. <sighs> your turn, Who else, have, who else have we done from hood? We've done the, uh, we've done the Magic Brothers. We have. The Brothers Grimm? The Brothers Grimm, that's them. All right, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give that to you because sort of, uh, it's the original Mr. Doll. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, there's a shot of Mr. Fear's wax museum and right there's Mr. Doll with his funky headdress and everything as a wax statue in the back. So. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, shall we, we got two more cards in this set. You guys, shall we talk about them? Well, I guess we need to. Don't yeah. these things usually come with a side scheme? They do, and a treachery. So, uh, who wants the... I- I've talked a lot. Americano, why don't you read? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was sent to villainous detention to learn. Yeah. So we have two more cards in this set. Mike, why don't you give us the next one? Out for blood. This is a side scheme. When revealed, deal one damage to the friendly character with the fewest remaining hit points. If that character is defeated this way, repeat this effect. Oh, bicycle has, girl. And it has a hazard icon. It has two threat per player and the special boost effect. Resolve this card's when revealed ability, which really is the best part about that card. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I've had this kill one character on me, but I also don't play a lot of leadership. Yeah, I mean, at a four-player table... Every ally and every hero is, you know, 
Oh, everyone's up for grabs. It's everyone's up, yeah. up for grabs. It's a friendly character, not just the person who draws it. And some ple- people have those allies who are down to one health. Oh, right. That's yeah. that's yeah. every one of my blockers ever. Right, because you use them up until they have one hit point left, and you got and then they're yeah your chump yeah, and then they're your chumps. Oh, this is. <laughs> and then if like you just keep doing it, yeah, oh. and, and it could come out as a boost, which means you could be blocking with that one hit point guy who dies, and you're now not defending, right? Oh, oh my yeah. goodness! So maybe you threw your chump blocker in front of Corvus Glaive. Who, if his attack is not defended, he deals damage to the tower, right? Or something like that. It, it yeah. can have uninten- unintended consequences. And then it's going to go on to the next person. Yeah. Oh, this is Great this is card. actually worse as a boost. Okay, where there is a treachery in one set that triggers the when revealed effects of side schemes. Correct. That's in the hood box, right? It is, and it is state of emergency, and I think it just says. Trigger the effects of every side schemes when revealed ability. <laughs> and if you can't put threat out or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my Take that Star God. Lord. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> yep. This is maybe my new favorite side scheme. Like Agreed. ever. And oh it and God. it has a mutated controller as the art, so I like that. Well, there's one more card. Wow. Let me tell you about this treachery, can I? Yeah, please do. This is caught in the crossfire. Get it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right, it's a treachery. When revealed, discard cards from the top of the encounter deck until a Crossfire's crew minion is discarded. Reveal that minion. Take indirect damage equal to the number of Crossfire's crew minions in play. And it has one boost icon. Yo. Uh, that's fun. That's fun, yeah. Yeah. Indirect damage, so feel free to spread that around. Yeah, and put it on all your allies and put them down to one health. All your friendly characters. Yeah. I think the theme is great here where it's like, um, it, it goes to fetch a guy, and then you're going to take indirect damage equal to the number of the Crossfire crew guys that are out there because you're kind of caught in the middle, and the more of them there are, the more of them they're shooting over your head, and you're ducking for cover. <laughs> yeah. That's and you cool. reveal that minion, too. Yes. So it could be Crossfire who's already taken someone's hit points down, or it could be, or I guess the other one's... It could be Corruptor that's going to exhaust yeah. all your allies. Yeah, and uh, Crossfire's got Quick Strike, so awesome. It's a good, it's a good little card. It is interesting in this set that the Crossfire they keep focusing on his sniping ability, and that you know even in the art, and he's going after the little guys. But if you listen to issue forty-two, Crossfire gets his original start by creating something called the Sonic Mind Warper that lets him create rage in people and cause mental controls of them, which is why he ends up teaming up with Controller, Corruptor, Mr. Fear, and and in the comics, actually, Mandrill, who's not in this set, but in, is in another set. Um, I think this would have been a great opportunity to show the other side of Crossfire instead of the one we got in the Nemesis set. But Right. They gave him plus one scheme instead. Yes. And, and changed his boost around. Oh, yeah, that three boosts incredible yeah daniel rate it well i love i i will i love minion heavy sets this one gets an a for me it gets an a for me love it i the absolutely love it. is fantastic and even yes. if you're not playing ally heavy this still hits you so i really like how they managed to, to kind of hit everybody with the same 
oddly enough, the same type of theme. Yeah, in slightly different ways. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you said it better. All right, guys. Well, I have a challenge for our listeners. Another one. Let's hear this challenge. I, I'm going to call it the Triple Cross Challenge. What I want you to do is play Crossbones, put in Crossfire's crew, and the Hawkeye Nemesis set that has Crossfire in it, uh, and try that out. There's two cards that need a little bit of a tweak, so I want to give you an option on that. The Nemesis side scheme says uh, the Hawkeye player does such and such and stuff. Instead, it just whoever draws it does whatever it is. And the other thing I want you to do is the Hawkeye Nemesis version, uh, I want you to add Crossfire Crew trait to Crossfire so he can be fetched with the card. Nice. So you've okay. got you've got Crossfire, Crossfire's Crew, Crossbones, and see how that plays. Because the, uh, the Nemesis set has a great weapon if it ends up on Crossbones. It's pretty painful. And all these minions really make it a lot of fun. I gave it a try. It can get out of hand quickly. So, bring Thor, everybody. <laughs> yes, bring Thor. So that's my triple cross challenge. Well, that that sounds like a really exciting challenge, Steve. Yeah. Um, Mike, where can the people find us to tell us about what happened to them when they did that challenge? <laughs> yes. Hey, listeners, uh, let us know how you are in the challenge. And you know what else I want to know? I want to know, dear listeners, what did you name yourselves? Is it on the nose, like listener? Come on, you can be more creative than we're in the 60s. <laughs> Email us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. We are Critical Encounters on Facebook. And you can find our YouTube channel by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, Wandering Duke, and Americano. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Crossfire, take us out. As much as I don't mind killing Hawkeye, I am not your puppet.